Good evening. Good morning. Ready listening to the Over Six Sports Podcast. It's always a great time. It's Zach the Vandenberg here with your boy, Cam the Turf King Charlton. What's going on, buddy? It's not a good day. I mean, what? I'm off work today because there is snow on the ground. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not a good day. Sorry. I woke up this morning and there was just snow everywhere and I wasn't real happy. I mean, it's nice to have a day off work, but what am I going to do today when there's snow on the ground? There's nothing to do in my day off because it is terrible outside. I don't want to go outside at all. I am not bringing out the snow brush. I am not brushing off my car. So I guess I am not driving anywhere today. So it's not a good day. I mean, yeah. it, Yeah. It was tough, actually, because, like, I know you guys got hit with it. Like, you're up in Fergus. I'm down in, down in whatever. Burgessville, Norwich, Woodstock, whatever you want. And, like, yesterday, it, we were getting just smoked. And it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like it was that, like, dusty stuff where you're like, it was, like, thick, wet, like, gross, in-your-face in snow that was just, it accumulated super quick. Like, I, it, I was just not having it. And, like, I'm just thinking in my head, like, we golfed on Saturday. Yeah, it was a nice day. And it was, yeah, like, six, seven degrees. It was sunny for the most part. I had somehow got a sunburn on my lips only with how many beers I drank when they're always wrapped around a can. I don't fucking know how that happened. Maybe it was the glint off the top of the can. Maybe that's what it was. But then I go out to yesterday and I'm like, what the fuck is this? Probably the most miserable Eastern, honestly, overall, just weather wise, but whatever. We got a round in. Yeah, we did. Um, it was good. I had, I had back to back birdies for the first time in my career. So that's that's good news. You beat me on the overall score on two was holes. tough. I don't have a birdie yet no. this year, so you're beating me there. Oh. You've had two. Okay. Yeah. Well, by the way, it was three holes because I actually parred eight, so suck it. But uh, I mean, after that, I would. It was the funniest thing because I was like, I was plus. What was I? I can't believe I'm admitting this over the mic, but 13, I was, I was 13 over through six and I was like, holy fuck, this is going to be rough. I didn't, I, you know, I don't think the drives were not that bad, but like, it was just, I don't know that the short game and the chips were just not connecting. The putting was a little rough to start, which is normal for the start of the year. I give myself some credit and then it was par on seven, par on eight, birdie nine, birdie 10. I'm 13 over through a uh, 10 and I'm like, I'm or 12 or whatever it was. And I was like, holy, I'm feeling good now. And then the next six holes, it was double or worse. So it, it went down quickly after that. But you can't take the double bird, like the back-to-back away. No. So no. I was I, like, we were joking on the golf course. I'm like, that's definitely the first time you've de- done that in your career. Not just as a joke. Cause it, I'm like, no, it definitely no. is. But yeah, it's a good, it's like a really good backhanded chirp because it's like all the best chirps are rooted in somewhat truth. And that one was rooted in direct truth. And so it's kind of like, oh, good job, Burke. That's your first back-to-back birdie ever. And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, wait a second. I turned 28 this year. This is, this is fucking terrible. I had, I had to try and get in your head somehow. That was like three straight holes you won. You were three up in the match. We ended up pulling back, tying up the match, finishing it on 18 with the tie. But I was getting a little worried there. So I had to try and get in your head somehow. I think the weight on 14 really hurt. That it just got cold. I just got a little cold, and then and then after that, it was just you know shank here, shank there. But either way, it was a good day. I mean, we've both been out two, three times each thus far this year, and thankfully uh, we're not going to shut down in May, so that's good. 
Oh, fingers crossed, knock on wood. Yeah, don't speak too soon. Uh, we don't want to talk about that. No, no. I mean, it, yeah, the snow was not it's not helping the case, but my course opens up on Friday this week, so we're probably the last course in southern Ontario to open, but that's fine. We're naturally more – it's naturally a bit wetter of a course, but we have an open date. Um, yeah, there you go. There's our golf report from the weekend. It was fun. I got a free mojito. You did. You had to chug it on the spot, but you got a free mojito. I did. I still don't, it must've been a photo shoot. Like for anybody, like I was just sitting there like between nine and 10, we were just getting beers and like the bar manager rushed out with this mojito in a glass and he's like, anybody want a free mojito? And I got right out. So I was like, sure. Like I'll take a free mojito. They're not my favorite drink ever, but whatever. If somebody offers you a free, a free bevy, I don't really care what it is. You have to drink it. It's a free bevy that you have to chug. Yep. I'm in. Sign me up. It's like, oh, where do I put the glass? Oh no. You have to chug it like right now. I was like, oh okay here you go boom t- five five seconds she's gone but yeah that was fun um anyway ready to get into more pressing matters burke gusto shout out interkip golf course by the way so actually not bad i actually was happy with the greens by the way i know that they were aerated and sanded and all that but i actually found that they ran pretty true i was making some pots and the speed was actually a lot quicker than i thought it was going to be yeah they were extremely firm with the amount of sand on them but they ran true because they had enough sand on them and yeah, the speed was fine, but they ran really nice. So they, uh, the superintendent there knows what he's doing. It seems like so. Uh, yeah, it was a good day. There you go. All right. So um, I'm guessing we're probably we're 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 two games into the Raptors series. So I'm I'm guessing we probably should start there. Um, this is going to be kind of a little bit of a rant pod because I think both of us. I mean, there's just been a lot of things the last couple of days or last week or so that I just kind of been, you know, I just get a little bit rattled about. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. So it's, a, it's frustrating. It's a rant zone. It's a rant zone. So we'll start with the Raptors and Raptors losing last night uh, to uh, to the Sixers um, up one point start of the first quarter and then really just kind of down the stretch ran out of gas made a bit of a run in the fourth quarter uh, and then just came up short like they just didn't they just didn't have it. Um, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Seems like you really want to go for it, Burke. So so here's here's the. Th- Okay, so there's two things that I want to clarify because I know that it, it can be brought up. Is number one, I still maintain that they're not going to get swept. Now, I think what's not really fair about like if if they do get swept, I mean, think about who they don't have playing. Trent was not like Gary Trent Jr. was basically nothing yesterday because of his illness. He went out halfway through the game. Okay, Scotty Barnes wasn't playing at all, and he's been a top three player for the Raptors this year. You could argue even top two. I don't know. Top two. I mean, I think Siakam's probably been number one. And then I, you could argue Barnes or Van Vliet, like one of those two guys. Like, but I, I, I think Scotty's up there, like the impact that he makes on this team. So you take him out and all of a sudden we're like, you know, it's, we're bench mobbing again and then nothing against the bench mob at all, but that's kind of where we're at. So if they get swept at this point with those guys out, Okay. Not at your representation. The problem that I have, and there, there's multiple problems, but the first one is, is that the take that I said was, okay, how do you stop this team? Well, you either got, you got to let Embiid get his points to your thing. Cause he's, you don't have anybody that's going to match up. And that is proven extremely true. The problem is, is that what they're not doing correctly is they're being really soft on their, on their perimeter D. So Embiid gets shut down. They're shut. Let's say they shut him down on the inside or they, whatever. And they're kicking it out to to Maxi, or they're kicking it out to Danny Green, and they're just launching bombs. And it's like this is what 
I was saying. It's like, I'm fine with giving Embiid 40, 50 points a game. Go ahead. But make sure your defense on the perimeter and secondary scoring is at least neutralized. And they're not doing that effectively. Now, is that because of the personnel they have on the floor? Maybe. But I just think schematically, like, it's just not working for them. Like, I, like this, that's kind of what you needed to do. And it just seems to me, especially with all the fouls yesterday, they were fouling a crap ton out of the basket. Why? You can argue officiating, and we'll get into that. But part of the problem is you don't have any to match up, so you're having mismatches all over the place. So naturally, you're going to foul because you just don't have what it, you just don't have a guy big enough. And number two, you're just, you're focusing on defensively in the wrong areas. And maybe that's on Nick Nurse. I don't know. I, I don't know. And I don't think it's fair. I mean, I don't, as I said, I don't think that I, and we talked about this last week too. I don't think I expected, we did not expect them to win this series, right? We said head Raptors, heart, sorry, heart Raptors, head, not Raptors, right? We saw head, the Sixers, obviously they're just been a better team. Um, but it just, it's just becoming clear to me, especially with the, with the absences and then somehow schematically, they just need to make a change. Now, the good news is, is that you're never out of it until you lose on at home. You got to win one on the road. So they, the Sixers took care of business in their own dome and you got to go back to Scotiabank arena and you got to take care of your, your games at home, whether they can do that, who knows? But yeah, my first rant is, as I said, I don't think they're effectively they're not dealing with Embiid and the secondary effectively. No, near, not nearly effectively enough. Yeah, I mean, it's been tough. Like, game one, you had everybody basically. I mean, guys were injured or playing hurt. Even you're watching game two there. Freddie doesn't look 100%. He's tired. They're exhausted. Scotty Barnes is just missing huge. When we're talking about schematics and how to play defensively against this team, Scotty Barnes is arguably your most athletic uh, best defender. It's He can match up all over the place. He can guard Embiid at times. He can guard Harden. Like, he can match up all over the court. So I think that's something that maybe Nick Nurse didn't adjust to as well as he should have. But I don't really know if it's all on Nick Nurse. Like, this team just, they're playing hard and they're playing physical. It's just anytime they try and play hard and play physical and play like the Raptors can. Like, even the Raptors we saw with Kyle Lowry, Kawhi. Like, they're trying to play that game, but it's every time there's a ticky-tacky thing, they're getting called for a foul. Meanwhile, you go back the other way. The 76ers are playing man-on-man. They're playing zero zone, and yet the Raptors didn't draw a foul until a minute and a half left in the first quarter yesterday. Like, it's just... This is the star treatment in the NBA, and it's so frustrating. And, like, I know we have this argument when it comes to NHL hockey and NBA, and, like, they should call it the same in the regular season or not. But, no, they shouldn't. In my opinion, I still think they shouldn't. A foul should be harder to get in the playoffs. A penalty should be harder to get. I don't want that ticky-tacky shit. But yet they call it for the stars. Embiid is getting every ticky-tack foul against him, yet he's doing things the other way and not getting called for it. And you're not going to see a guy like Freddie even get the calls. Like we saw it, Lowry was starting to get the calls. Kawhi, when he was here in 2019, he got the calls. We don't see it with any of these Raptors. Pascal Siakam's an all-star. This guy is a star in the league. He will not get a call, and it's super frustrating. He's going to the basket. He's going hard on Niang, and there's no calls. Yet Embiid goes hard. Guys don't even touch him, and it's like, yep, and one. And it's just super frustrating to watch that. The Raptors haven't been the better team. They've been bad. Maxi had a career game in game one, which... Nobody expected. And if Maxie's going to beat you like that, put up 38 points, you're going to be in tough. And it happens. And I know you're talking about letting Embiid be the guy to beat you. You're going to let Maxie do that because you don't expect him to go off for 38. Some of these open looks that we're seeing from Danny Green and stuff, that can't happen. We know Danny Green can be a tremendous shooter. He's been it for how long now in the NBA? You can't leave him open corner looks. He will hurt you more often than not. I know that times when he was a Raptor, it was frustrating. But you can't leave those open looks. But again, like... We're just talking about Gary Trent Jr. being injured. He's he's a guy who can score. He can score for them. 
Scotty Barnes is huge. As we've said, he's arguably their second best player all season. The way he has athleticism on defense is huge. And that's the biggest thing is the Sixers are the better team. We knew that before the series. We yep. just felt good about this Raptors team because of the heart they have, the coaching they have, everything they are. We felt really good about it. But when they had the injuries they have, I don't think Nick Nurse is doing a good a job as he should. Like, there's so many things that are adding up against it, and it's turned out brutally. I didn't expect them to get embarrassed like they have so far in this series. I mean, the Raptors have always been terrible in game ones, so you never know with that. Yeah, that's that's true. Game two, you knew, you knew it wasn't going to hold up after the first quarter. They were shooting tremendous from beyond the arc, and that can't hold up, especially when you look at the free throws. Like, it's just going to get worse as you get into bonus earlier and stuff. That's not going to hold up. So it was just a frustrating game overall, and it doesn't make you feel good. Again, as we've said, until it gets to game seven, if you don't lose at home, you're not in trouble. It, you're the lower seed, so you have to win a game on the road with the Raptors. But if you go in into games three and four, you're right back in the series. You haven't lost at home yet, so the series isn't over. We saw it against Milwaukee in 2019. This Raptors team, I feel like they're going to show a ton of heart. They're going to show what they are, especially with this home crowd. We've seen Jurassic Park. We've seen the ACC with these fans. We know how good Raptors fans are. I mean, we're Raptors fans. We know how important the Raptors fans can be to this fan base. You don't think Embiid's going to get booed like crazy this game, especially everything he was given to Nick Nurse, just, just talking about bitching about the fouls and stuff. The fouls are ridiculous. Again, is it the reason the Raptors are down 2-0 in the series? No. They have not been the better team. But it definitely is a factor in it. Okay, so, yes, I 100% agree. You want to know... Do you know how many free throws that the Sixers had yesterday? It's got to be like 40. They had 30. And they scored on 26 of them. Okay. And guess how many the Raptors had the whole game? 15. 12. And they scored on 10. You know what the difference in points in free throws it was? Well, that would be what, 16? Yep. What did the Raptors lose by? I don't know, 20? 15. Perfect. Okay, so I'm not this in it. I hate I hate when when people are always making excuses for their team, but th- there's a massive discrepancy there. And there's a massive discrepancy okay. there. And they lost by 15 and 16 was the difference. It probably still should have been more against the Raptors. I'm not going to argue that, but if it's eight or something, which is fine, if it's eight or something, it but keeps like, the game way closer. That's way yeah. di- exactly. Yeah. That's the biggest difference because down the stretch, right down the stretch, it's it's a lot different. So. And I mean, turnovers was a massive issue yesterday too. Um, but like you look at and say, okay, so Philly had 14 turnovers. The Raptors only had nine. The Raps were 42% field goal percentage. That's not bad. Philly was 52. So they were obviously a little bit better, but like the bit and like even um, three point field uh, percentage, like the Raps were 34, Philly shot slightly better, but the biggest discrepancy out of all of the, and like, even if you look at the, the, the other stuff here, like offensive rebounds, the Raps thirteen to seven, uh, steals Raps seven five. Um, the Phillies had a little bit like twelve to four in blocks, but who cares? Like it is, <laughs> it is what it is. Like that's half of them were in the last minute. But the biggest stat that stands out in this game was was free throws. One hundred percent. That's the biggest. <laughs> that's the biggest discrepancy. Thirty free throws to twelve. Even if, as you said, you added another eight nine points on there, whatever the case is then it's a whole new ball game. So overall, they stood up pretty well. They went on big runs um, yesterday. The one point I want to make that you brought up was, is um, you're talking about star treatment and this, and I, I will die on this hill. When Kawhi Leonard came, when the, when the Toronto Raptors won their championship in 2019, 
Kawhi Leonard got the star treatment in terms of fouls, but that spread to everybody else on the team. Lowry started getting calls. Uh, Gasol was getting calls. Kawhi was getting calls. Pascal was getting calls. Like that went throughout the whole team. As soon as Kawhi Leonard left this team, they went back to being, oh, we hate the Raptors and we hate and, and all this kind of shit. Like it went right back to that. And this is, this is not new. Like this is the only, <laughs> the only solace to us. And, and we said this in 2019. I said this in 2019. We weren't on the airwaves at this point, but was I would trade 10 years of bad results for a championship. And I still hold true to that, but it is so annoying that you can see the difference between having that star player, that marquee American star player. And then as soon as he's gone, it's like, nah, you guys suck. Like, don't even worry about it. Like King Embiid's going to do a shit like that. That to me is worse than anything. I just don't get it either. Like DeMar DeRozan was a star. Kyle Lowry was a star. I don't know why these guys are so underappreciated in the league. When we see it on like TNT, when the NBA is on TNT, why are these guys so underappreciated? And then you see it from the refs too. And again, like Pascal Siakam's an all-star. This guy is unbelievable. Scotty Barnes is that good already in his rookie year. He is that good. Freddie Van Vliet does not get enough credit for what he's done. And these guys do not get star treatment, even the way like Maxi does, who, if I'm being honest, like I'm a Raptors fan. I'm not a huge NBA fan overall. Like I pay attention to a lot of the Canadians and the Raptors. I didn't even know who Maxi was before this series. To see him put up 38 in game one, I was like, who is this guy? And he's getting calls already. How are guys like Pascal Siakam not getting calls? Again, the Raptors haven't been the better team. The refereeing hasn't been the reason why the Raptors are down 2-0, but it's definitely made an impact in the series, in my opinion. Yeah, and as I said, stats-wise, if you just looked at the stats in this game, like you're like, oh, there's as I said, there's only one thing that really stands out at you on the page. That's it. One thing. If you looked at this without the free throws, you'd be like, oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, pretty close shooting percentage. Sixers probably win this game. I don't know, six, seven, eight points. No, it's more. Uh, anyways, Philly covered. Um, moving forward, we'll have to see how much of an impact. I mean, the Raptors fans are going to be nuts um, when they're <laughs> oh man when they're playing and uh, on Wednesday. I mean that that building is going to be absolutely insane. Um, first playoff game that that has been in that building since 2019. So yeah, they're going to be nuts, and I think that'll provide a bit of a boost. Hopefully. You know, you're not going to get Scotty Barnes in this game. He's probably done for this series. If it was me and I was the Raptors staff, I would keep him out. This is what I wanted to talk with you about. If, okay, so he's got an ankle sprain. Would you, if you were the Raptors staff, would you keep, would you, down 2-0 in Toronto, at what point would you put him back in? If you're pretty sure that, if at all, if you're sure that he can recover this offseason, no problem, and he can't do any more horrible damage to it. Scotty Barnes is in game three. If he wants to play with the way you've seen this kid and it can't do anything long-term worse than what has happened. Like sprains can be worse than breaks. So we don't know how bad yep. the sprain is, but if they feel confident that it can't get that much worse than it currently is, if they can tape it or wrap it up enough and Scotty wants to go out there and play, he's going to play. He's one of the most important players on this team. He is him and Freddie are the heartbeats of this team. Siakam probably the best player, but him and Freddie, the way they are with this team, they're the heartbeats. Scotty Barnes is that important. You saw him in the walking boot the other day. Like, the way he's even trying to get the guys going. He is that important to this team. If he can go and it's not going to hurt him long-term and prepare him for next season, I want Scotty in there. He was pretty sheepish about it in the interviews, saying, 
the way he was acting around it, it's like I actually couldn't tell if he was going to play game two or if he's going to be done for a long time with the way he was sheepishly answering questions. So if it can't be long-term worse than it currently is, I want to see Scotty in there in game three. I mean, I want to see him in game three as well, but I'm also at the, at the same point, like, I don't know. Can you, if you, if you get the dub in game three, maybe you bring him back for game four. Cause if you bring him in and you lose game three and he gets hurt, you look like an absolute idiot. Cause you're not coming back from three. Oh, like it just, it's not happening. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But if it's not going to hurt, if, yeah. if it's not going to hurt him and it's just going to be the, it's the off season anyways, if you lose. So what does it matter? I, I get it. I get, I get it. But like, I think like this guy is going to win rookie of the year, right? You get a superstar in your hands. You've got, you've got, you know, the, the, the in a sense, the next building block for your franchise, you know, you can say, well, you leave it up to the player. Yeah, players generally don't make the right decision. Almost never. And in terms of injuries, like they they because they won't play. Like they're they're competitors, and this guy's a baller, and he's gonna want to be in there. Um, but hey, I'll leave it up to people that are that are much smarter than me. Um, but I'm okay. I just I think my point is I'm okay if they're cautious. Like I don't think like nobody's expecting them to win a title this year. No, and. I don't. I, most people aren't expecting to win around this year. So if you want to play it safe, I'm fine with that. See what you've got and, and, and other guys and, and, and try to retool. Cause again, we're talking about a team last year, no other COVID stuff and not playing in Toronto were, you know, didn't do very well. And now Masai Ujiri has his team in a spot where they were five games at a first. And obviously they, and they were not healthy. So if you got to do what you got to do to retool for next year to make sure you're better, I'm all for that. Yeah. Again, as we said, we got we're we're gonna, we're gonna trust Masai and Nick Nurse. Even if we think Nick Nurse maybe be a little off so far these playoffs, I trust these guys with this team. They're gonna do what's best for right now and the future of this team. So I'm not worried when it comes to that. I just I just want to see Scotty on the floor. It, the Raptors are much oh, yeah. much better team and way more exciting when Scotty Barnes is on the floor. And if there's nothing long term that can happen, I think it's gonna be more exciting for Game Three and Four. You know, the Raptors fans, him versus Embiid, the same way he was against LeBron. Like the Raptors fans are just gonna give it to Embiid, cheer for Barnes, and those are the things I want to see. Even if we lose in four, I'm hoping they can sneak it to five or six. Now I don't know with these injuries, but those are the moments that I want to see: is Scotty Barnes giving it to Embiid, giving it to Harden, getting in their face, and the Raptors fans doing the same. That's what I want to see. They they can do it. I'm t- like watching the game yesterday. They like they can. It's just they just the as I said the adjustments that they need to make. Just they need to make them because they haven't been doing it thus far. And we'll see what happens. By the way, Nick Nurse and Embiid. Embiid was they were having a chat near the end of the game, and Embiid was basically telling Nick Nurse stop bitching about calls. And I'm like, and Nick Nurse, basically, you could see him. He's like, uh, okay, okay, guy, like shut the fuck up, like get out of here. Ha! I mean, Joel, did you? As we just talked about, did you see the the free throw difference? If I was Nick Nurse, I'd be fucking ejected. A hundred percent. How do you not? And like, this is something else that we've talked about. Like you being a referee and in hockey, and it's the same thing. Whenever people bitch at you over and over and over again, you, it makes you less likely to want to give them the call. But when there's that much of a discrepancy, how can you not? And if, you, if I'm Nick Nurse and I'm seeing this with my own eyes, looking at this, being like, how the fuck is this a foul on Embiid and it's not on any of my guys? Like, you need your coach to go to battle for you. Like, I don't know if Embiid actually knew what the call the call differential was, but dude, like, <laughs> like maybe, maybe, and like, whatever. I, I don't know. I just, I just, I just find it really funny that we're like, oh, coach, stop bitching about calls. Yeah, okay. 
well then maybe we could just tell the refs to maybe call a few more and we won't have to bitch as much. Fuck. I mean, I think this is a great transition point to uh, talk about a different sport and the referees. Because we saw Saturday maybe the worst discrepancy we've ever seen in a baseball game. In the Jays. And again, we're talking more robo-umps more and more recently. And we saw the biggest discrepancy since umpire scorecards started coming out. 1.84 runs for Oakland. Like, usually you do understand there's going to be discrepancy. It's tough to call balls and strikes at 100 miles an hour. I'm not saying it is. It's easy. I don't think I could do it. But you see a lot of guys end up 80-90%. And this guy was 66% strike call right for the thing. And you saw Charlie Montoya, as we're talking about coaches, Nick Nurse, stepping up. Charlie Montoya got kicked out of a game. And I know everyone's like, oh, don't Jace managers always get kicked out? No, John Gibbons always. That was Gibby. Yeah, John Gibbons always gets kicked out. Charlie Montoya <laughs> does not. So it takes quite a bit for Charlie Montoya to get kicked out. So when we saw that on Saturday and that discrepancy, you're like, yeah, see, this is a guy sticking up for his players. So that's what we want to see from Nick Nurse a little bit, if he did it. Yeah, the only last thing I have to touch on Embiid, 2019, I'm pretty sure there's a pretty good meme of you. So we'll just remind you of that. Ooh, that's good. By the way, I've been trying to figure out a maxi pad joke, by the way, for like days, but I can't quite figure it out. If you have any suggestions, let me know. Um, it's only going to be applicable if the Sixers blow it, though. That's 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 the only thing. Yeah, let's, let's so. wait till the Raps at least win one game before we come up with those jokes. But it's just so good. It's just like it's right there. Anyway, yeah. That buddy, by the way, the umpire, he called, was it Nelson was the umpire? He was 67% accurate on strikes. Yeah, 66.6% accurate on strikes versus the, with the Jays. That's one out of threes. Sorry, two out of threes, correct. Yeah. There was, that is just there was the worst. one ball that was seven inches outside that he called strike three. Seven inches. It wasn't even, it was in the other batter's box. We call it a game of inches, but like, I mean, like, oh, it's really tough. But like, that's one of those ones where you're like, that, that can't be that tough. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're going to have discrepancy. That is an extremely hard job. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. And that's where you see guys 85 to 90%. That's a really good game for an up. And I agree. That's going to be good. But when you're 1.84 runs in favor of one team, that's not fair. Most games they say are like 0.3 to 0.4 for one team. And that's going to happen. We are doing this with human error. 100 plus mile an hour balls coming in that is tough i'm not going to tell anybody it's easy i don't envy their jobs especially when you can be torn apart by these umpire scorecards but at a certain point if you're only doing it at 66 percent 67 percent and you're i think he's ranked second worst major league ump right now at a certain point you just can't do your job effectively i'm sorry but you can't do your job effectively so you shouldn't be doing it we then saw the other night there was an ump who was 99%. He had one ball that was, he called a strike, that was a ball. One ball during an entire game. Do you know how insane that is? Like, that's... It, that's impressive. And that's where, like, in our group chats, we're talking about how bad the umping was Saturday. I love to throw that in because you do see umps can be super impressive at their job. And, again, I'm not saying it's an easy job. I referee hockey. I referee soccer in the past. There is games where I have horrible, but at the end of the day, he just needs more consistency. And that's where you saw Charlie Montoya get kicked out. He stood up for his team. The Jays battled through it. It's one game. They play 162. So whatever. But the Jays, like that was, it was horrible. And that just can't happen anymore. We see it in other sports right now. I don't really like the conversation of umps referees being such an issue, but it keeps coming up in every sport. 
and it's not an easy job. I don't envy anybody who has to do it where there's a thousand video cameras watching you every time, but that Saturday game, it just has to be better. That being said, Jays are leading the AL East at six and four. They are. First place. Vladdy. So, yeah, he's been nuts. This guy. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Vladdy's just been on the last couple of games. He's kind of not done as much, but that's okay. Like, it's 162 games. Like, you're not going to be, I don't know, you're not going to be perfect. It's impossible to be perfect. But, I mean, I don't know. What else can you really say? Yeah, they're. I mean, he's an he's like he's an absolute stud. Like Springer and him have been have been absolute workhorses. Like you need a little bit more, um, you need a little bit more from Chapman. Yeah, he, but that's gonna come. Yeah, he's come up and he still looks great defensively, and that's why you brought him in. Is the plus runs defensively? Even last year, he had a horrible hitting year for Oakland, and I think he was just slightly negative a run in or like negative point four runs offensively. But he was like plus three and a half defensively, which was like more than one full run better than anybody else. So that's what you're paying him to be, especially in this lineup. This lineup's a little hurt right now. You don't have Danny Jansen, who's Maybe not your best offensive catcher. You probably Kirk's probably a better offensive catcher, but he helps you on the defensive side. And missing Teoscar Hernandez is huge right now. We really need him back in the lineup. That just pushes everybody down. That pushes Chapman down a bit. But this team's doing what they need to do. The only other massive concern I have is Hendren Ryu. He hasn't been good. And like I know a guy like Barrios, he's gonna figure it out because he just does that. And his first game was horrible. He figured it out a little more in game two. But Ryu now, this is a trend. The second half of last year, he was horrible. And this is looking bad this year. And you only need him to be a four or five on this rotation. But now I'm starting to question if he can even do that. Yeah. Do you know who had, yeah, yeah. He's been, do you know who the, who, who's the worst on the Jays in earned runs? I do not. Ryu. By far. Yeah, I mean, he's got 11. Yeah, it's not good. 11. Not good. Like, no. Like that's the, I mean two starts, man. He's a two two as two starts, right? Yep. Now we're like I don't know what we're doing, um, and like he's a contact. I think the big thing is is like we know that Ryu's a contact pitcher. Like he's not a Manoa, he's not a Gossman. Which by the way, Gossman leads the Jays in strikeouts. Just in case you were wondering, because uh, I certainly did not know that. Um, I definitely thought it was Manoa. It's not. It's Gossman. No, Manoa killed me. I had him over six and a half, and it would have made him a bunch of money. Oh, six. six. Kill me. <laughs> Ooh, that's a bad beat. Uh, <laughs> well, you know those numbers are going to get inflated, right? But, like, perfect line. Like, I mean, they basically were like, okay, he had seven last – or a seven or eight last time. Let's give him one more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, Ryu is a contact pitcher. That's what he does. But the problem is, is that – and he's on the I, he's on the IL at this moment. But if he loses any bit of velocity in your contact hitter – that or a pitcher, then you're in big trouble. Because basically, guys are just gonna take you yard. Like they're too good. Like batters are way too good in this league to do that. So this just like it just reminds me of like, do you remember? Was it 2015, 2016, when R. A. Dickey was was he was throwing knuckleballs and he started to to lose some velocity off of the the knuckleball, and then just kept getting rung up. It was the same thing. Where like his strikeouts, his strikeouts, his strikeouts were a little bit down, but he basically played a lot of pop-up ball and then all of a sudden his velocity goes down he's just getting smoked out of the ballpark left right and center and that's kind of where we're at the good news is though is is that like we've talked about this Ryu's not number one if he was number one it'd be a bigger concern 
right? So that's that's the good news. Barrios, Manoa, Gosman, they've been decent. And Jordan Romano's been unbelievable, too. Yeah, we got to give it up to two of the bullpen, really. The other big one is two Adam up? Simber. Adam Simber leads the major or the AL in wins. 3-0 here. He's been unbelievable. I know a couple of people who I talk to, they just love watching him, too, because he's got this underhand sidearm. It's just unbelievable. I don't know how you throw that. But Jordan Romano now. The best thing I love about this, everybody who's listened to this podcast a little bit, I love Canadians in any sport. Jordan Romano yes. from Markham, Ontario, playing for the Jays, closing it out, breaking Jays closing records is just unbelievable to see. This is a guy who got picked up in the Rule 5 draft. Texas decided they actually didn't want him to play for the team, so the Jays got him back because that's the way the Rule 5 draft works. And it's just awesome to see. This guy has a zero ERA so far. Zero. He's been unbelievable for them, closing out games. And it's just, you know when he comes into the game, it's over. And it's been a while since we've had that. We had it with Asuno for a little bit there. But you just know now, as the Jays, especially with this offense, having a guy like Romano come in, at the end of the game, and you're like, all right, ninth inning's over. Thank you. It's just so nice. Having a guy like Simber, who's just been unbelievable wherever you need him, he's been that kind of high-leverage guy that you've been looking for, too. Like, you need him in the sixth. You need him in the eighth. You need him in the seventh. They're willing to throw him in whenever. He's been unbelievable. And this bullpen, as you know bullpens, they come and go. You're never really quite sure what you're going to get about them, but this bullpen's been really good. Garcia's been really good, too. He has a zero ERA. Like, this team's really coming together. You feel really good about it. Starting pitching has a little bit of work to do. Brios, again, I feel confident Brios is going to figure it out. He was the ace at the start of the year. He's done it long enough. I feel good. His velocity is still there. He's just got a couple little things to figure out, but he's going to do it. Ryu is the concerning part, but this team, again, it's just so exciting. They're in first. They haven't had a ton of division games. We saw the viewership for that game against Oakland up to 1.2 viewers, million viewers. That's insane. Like, everyone wants to watch this team right now. You're seeing how exciting that ballpark is already. And it's April. Non-divisional games in April, and that ballpark is ecstatic. So it's just going to get better. I was going to say, I think people have missed baseball at Rogers Center. I think the players miss the fans, too. They know how good Toronto fans are. Well, and you just, I mean, that's just part of the game, right? Like, I don't know, ballpark vibes. Um, and we're, we're still looking for an opportunity to get down there probably a couple times this year. Do you know who I want to talk about, who I kind of talked about before? But then I just realized who's having an absolutely awful year through two games. It's two games. Let's just be out perspective. It's two games. Robbie Ray has a 4.73 ERA through two games. One win, one loss. 4.7? 4.73. That's not that bad for two games. That's pretty bad. In 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 C- playing for the Mariners, that's not good. That's if you're playing in the AL East, it's it's that's fine because we have people who can hit the ball. You're playing in an area where you like you like, okay, let's get you really want to get into this? We're going to get into this thing. You don't think that's bad? No, 4.73? It's, it's not good, but two games is way too much of a... Nine ball. strikeouts? When we see Through two games? When we see two guys on the Jays at 11 and 13 who are starters, who are supposed to be good starters, 4.7 is fine through two games. He's had one good game, one bad game. The other thing I want to do touch on is, speaking of Robbie Ray, the score put out their most surprising players, their best players so far, and their most disappointing. Who led the list of most disappointing players so far this year? Marcus Simeon. I did see that. His stats were not good. His batting average is very poor. Again, it is a way too early to read this much into a baseball this season. This is why we do this, though. This is why we do that. It's way there too early. Shit on bad players. 162 games. 162. <laughs> like, even Vladdy's average right now isn't very good. But his home runs are. But he'll figure it out. But again, like, this is the one thing about baseball. His average is fine. It's 289. That's fine. 
But you you'd like to see Vladdy way closer to that three. Do you know who leads the Jays by the way in in batting average? Espinal. No, he's fourth. So it's Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Point three oh six. He's a great hitter. I wonder who Espinal is reminding me of so much. Who? Ryan Goins. Just this guy who plays unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable D, whatever position you need him to, and just comes up with clutch hits all the time. He's really not that great of a hitter. Espinal's having a good start to the season. We saw that with Goins. I just love the guy. The guy seems happy. He's a great defender. It's just one of those guys who I really like cheering for. So I'm enjoying Espinal. There's just like nobody on this team who's like not likable, though. No. Like, I think that's what I kind of like is, I mean, and maybe that's just your home team bias, but. I mean, I don't know, though, because if you're watching the Yankees, there's got to be guys in that team where you're like, ah, fuck. You can't, like, Stanton that much. But you just, like, watch, like, you watch Bo and Vlad in the dugout, this bromance they have going on, just sitting there hugging and cuddling. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, these guys just love being with each other. I know as a Habs fan, I'm seeing it with Suzuki and Caulfield. They're the same way. They're just this massive bromance who are having a ton of fun being together. And you're like, yeah, this is awesome to see. And, again, it's way easier to see this when it's your team. And you're the fan of the team. But, yeah, the way that Vlad and Bo are, the way that you see Kevin and all these guys joking around, they have Chapman as an honorary Latino. He's a part of that whole Spanish group on the team. Like, Chapman hasn't even been there that long. And he's just, like, they put him right in the group. He, they gave him a T-shirt to join the Latino squad on the team. Like, it's just a ton of fun. These guys, again. Is he, like, the whitest guy on the team? Yeah, maybe. But <laughs> it's just, like, these. Like, I'm pretty sure he's the whitest guy. Actually, well, yeah. No, he has to be. I don't know. Maybe Cavan Biggio. Cavan Biggio might be more. Uh, he's he's pretty white. Yeah. But you just see like yeah. the, you see the way this team is. They're just super fun to cheer for, and they're good. And we're seeing it. And now I'm just excited to get into division games. we got the Red Sox coming up tonight for the next few games. Then we got the Yankees soon. And you already see these uh, Yankees and Sox are freaking out a little bit about the COVID rules to come to Canada. Because they're already the Red Sox have already had to adjust their pitching rotation because one of their pitchers isn't. And Alex Cora actually came out and said, yeah, we'll be missing three to four more players. So guys are not vaccinated for both the Yankees and Red Sox, so they can't play in Canada. They can suck it. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it is it is what it is. And everyone's like, oh, it's not fair. Like, the Jays get to do this. They should have to play in the States until it figures out. Have you no! seen where the Jays have had to play the last three years? They deserve this. Fucking bullshit. It's been so unfair for them for two years now. So the fact that they get a little bit this year, yeah, suck it. No, this is the, yeah. Also, you had time to prepare for this. It's not like you didn't know at the start of the season that you weren't going to have guys like adjust your rotation then ahead of time so that you know, okay, this is who's going to be playing when we go to Toronto for this, these amount of games. Shut the fuck up. That's such garbage. Like, I don't, and again, yeah, we played in Buffalo and we played in Florida. Well, that's okay. You could put, no, we, no. Last year we played in three home stadiums. And even when they were in Toronto, it wasn't 100% capacity for a stretch that was important for playoffs. Yeah. And do you think that matters? Fucking right, it does. Like, have you seen the fans that are there, man? It's, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, that just bothers me so much. And this is not like a pro or anti-vaccination stance. This is just an anti-being-a-little-bitch stance. Like, and it's anti, like, this is just bad. That's just bad preparation. I mean, like, like you're just trying to fight. Again, you're, you're just finding an excuse why you're going to lose. Again, like, is that is that what we're doing here? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just an awkward situation because, again, you have the right. But, I mean, you're letting your team down now, whether that's important to you or not. But, yeah, these are things you should have figured out, especially with your pitching rotation. You knew these guys were going to do it. So it doesn't sound like Alex Cora was complaining as much as maybe I made it sound. 
but he's just pointing out the fact that they're going to be without players. And the Yankees have pointed out that it sounds like some of their big guys won't be able to come to Toronto until this is figured out. So it's interesting, but I mean, we'll take all the advantage we can. Home field advantage. Like that's, this is the best part. Like this, but this, whatever, like, I don't know. I guess, I mean, if I looked at it, like if it, Look at it from this perspective. If my players were allowed to go players places, would I be mad? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, maybe I'm just biased, but I don't think I would because I I would again. I argue from a third party stance that I would say, okay, you knew about it. If you know about it, you can prepare for it. That's that's it. That's all I have. That's legit. All I have to say on this matter is that you know about it. You know about it. At the start of the season, you got it gifted to you the last couple of years that the Jays were like, okay, I guess we're going down to play in the U.S. because we have no other choice. And now this is part of the league rules, and there you go. Suck it. That's all I got to say about that. But I want to talk about something okay. a little more positive. Okay. Jordan Spieth won a golf tournament. He did. Did you see his wife like run across with her baby, by the yeah. way, just smacking the baby's yeah. head? I was like, I'm like, this is horrible. This is the baby's like one year old, and not even one. And you're just like not full even. on sprinting and this head's flying everywhere. But this is one of the There's... craziest tournament displays ever. So Jordan Spieth was a minus three and a half strokes gained putting. It is the worst putting display in a win since 2009. As Jordan Spieth put it, he just won a golf tournament without a putter. He was absolutely horrendous putting. Everyone's seen the clip of him going to tap in on uh, 18 on Saturday and missing about a 18 inch putt. The other funny thing was, is he's like, yeah, him and his wife don't really talk golf. But after seeing me Saturday, she said, you need to take an extra five seconds after tap it before you tap in putts. <laughs> but oh. man, golf is better when Jordan Spieth's competitive. That's all I say. And this is now back to back years. Jordan Spieth has won on Easter. Do you know what day the Masters finishes next year, Burke? Um, I'm going to hazard a guess and say Easter. Yeah, Masters falls on Easter next year. So Jordan Spieth, 2021, one on Easter. 2022, one on Easter. 2023, the Masters is there. Who's been pretty good except for the last year at the Masters? Jordan Spieth. If he can figure out his putting a little bit, which every other year he turns out to be a really good putter, by the way, if you look at his stats, he goes from like top 20 to 150th to top 20 to 150th. So this is his year where he's like 167th in putting. So next year, that means he'll be top 20 again. So I just think golf's a better sport with Jordan Speak competitive. Same with Rory. I think these guys are huge for the needle. I mean, they're no Tiger Woods still, but I just think they're some of the best personalities on tour. I love watching Jordan Speak. I love watching Rory. I'll throw Justin Thomas in the mix. These guys are, but golf is better when these guys are competitive. 100%. And by the way, I saw the the odds for the next year's Masters and speed is at plus 2400. That's a stupid line. Yeah, that's I'm sorry. Like how is how is it that low? He does, he hasn't done it. like I mean, I know he won this golf tournament and everything, but he hasn't done anything for like years prior to this. It, it, like are they I guarantee you that they're like, "Oh, he's won on Easter two years in a row. I guess we better put it at plus 2400 or people like us are going to light that number up." Well, he's also been really good at Augusta and he did now with how his last 14 months have been on the tour. He is now back at 10th in the world. So he's back in the top 10. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a Spieth guy. Yeah. I like his hats. They're pretty good. They're, I mean, boring yeah. Under Armour hats that everyone always makes fun of on Twitter, but well, he's got, I got like a flowery one. It's, I know. it's we, like, we it's have like the same nice... hat. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot. Cause we, we have the match for our maybe guests. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
anyway, it is nice when he, I mean, I like when he wins golf tournaments. And by the way, I mean, he made some stupid shots out of the bunker. Sure. Yeah, that's why. But he, he had to hit sideways on 18. And then in the playoff hole, he goes right back in the bunker. And he's another inch away from the lip. Like, I mean, first of all, how lucky can you be that the, the two holes in a row, you go in the bunker and you're one inch from the lip. Like that, that's just super unfortunate. Number two, the first one you chipped out sideways. Okay, great. The second one, you played an unbelievable golf shot because uh, you short-sided. Like, it was short-sided, too. And I just made an unbelievable play. Like, put it to what? Two inches? That, of two, like, it was crazy. So, I mean. Oh, his short game was absolutely unbelievable. And that's how you win without a putter is your short game is just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I did like how he said He's like, I won without a putter. And I was like, oh, my fuck, did he break a putter? And, uh, and then I was like, oh, no, his putter is just – yeah, no, his putter was just ass. Okay, that's cool. Um, so, okay, so it's one thing. Okay, something I just saw on Twitter, by the way, that popped up that I wanted to, to bring up. Apparently, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I know you love talking about the Leafs because you're the biggest Leafs fan in the entire world. The entire the Leafs on every game are posting a picture in the names of the officials um, that are working that game and they're posting it for their practices and they post it in the dressing room and stuff so that they can get to know who the officials are for that game and call them by name and try to get on their good side that way. Thoughts, comments. I, it seems a bit excessive. I don't mind it. I don't mind it because I do find it like John Tavares basically just says like, Hey, like it's really easy when you don't know who these guys are to like bitch at them and like blah, blah, blah. But when you get like, when you know their names, like, you know, their faces, you know, their names, it's a little bit easier to say, Hey, like whatever, Johnny, like why, you know, what about this call? Blah, 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 blah. And actually interact with them as people, as opposed to officials. I, I actually think from a psychology standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Do you think they're doing this just solely because of Kerfoot? Oh, that's probably true. With all the, I don't know. With all the rumors of him last year not getting any calls because he's gone personal at officials in the wrong way. You're like, ah, maybe the Leafs realize they should probably try and get on the officials' good side. I, it's 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 a possibility. I I wouldn't be surprised if their if their staff basically acknowledged that. Hey, like, or they tried it out and were like, hey, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Like their sports psycho i mean they the leafs hired like they have every single person working for them from psychologist to whatever so they're probably like hey does this give us like even one penalty advantage maybe fuck it let's try it or maybe it's just them trying to be good people i don't know let's go with that it's just good people those leafs yeah no i, I don't think there's a really bad side to this again like as an official i make horrible calls on the ice i do i'm not gonna lie it's, it's what it's a fast sport it's hard to call there's bad calls i make all the time the thing that drives me crazy is when people make it personal and maybe that's where they're talking about getting to know the officials a little more personally, where you can tell a guy he has had a bad call without attacking him personally or taking it across the line. And you can discuss the bad call. And I've been honest with coaches and players in the past of, yeah, that wasn't a great call. That wasn't my best. I'll do better. I can't change the call. I've made a call. I can't go back on it. You don't see officials go back on calls. You do see it the odd time in the NHL, but it happens. That's part of having the human aspect to the game and I think that should be a part of the game and it always will be a part of the game. But so I actually don't see a downside of this, getting to know the officials better, not making it personal and just talking about what happens on the ice. I think that's a good thing. The only thing I don't like is, is that it got pub like it was publicized. Like I guess they put it on their boards at practice and then like the media jumped all over it. I'm like, man, we should have just kept this under wraps, man. Cause now the rest going to be like, Oh, you fuckers. You're just trying to get us to know us. So you can get on our good side. I see how it is. You don't really care about me. 
I mean, I guess if you go a little farther, though, and it's like, hey, Tim, how's the family? How's your daughter? Uh, Jackie, that's great. That's like, I mean, that's I think that's almost weirder. Like, maybe maybe that would be just maybe that, I think that's too far. Maybe I don't know. Like the guys like who I have. How's your home in the Hamptons? See, the thing is, is like the guys who I have talked to. I know a couple linesmen in the NHL. I've known a ref or two in the NHL. A lot of the like good guys in hockey do know these guys. They ask about their family. They do. Like I know I've heard multiple stories about a guy like Jason Spezza where he is curious about the officials. Like he talks to them, he's like, Oh, how's your kids? How are your family? And like I know at least one or two officials who don't like asking for stuff, but Jason Spezza the one time knew that the that they had a kid who was a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan and gave him a stick sign. And the official didn't really want to take it because it's like that's your part of your job. But just little things like that. So there is good guys in the sport. There's also bad guys. But so it's kind of that awkward, like some guys care, some guys don't. This is going to make everybody maybe care a little more. But I am a little nervous with some of this that you're going to see maybe a guy or two take advantage of it the wrong way as well. Yeah, I mean, it, like it could happen, right? I, I think it's just good to know that I think most most people in the NHL, you like to think, I mean, we were very, it's very outsider, but like you like to think that most people in the NHL are good people. Just in general, you like to think that most people are good people. It doesn't matter the league, but like from a sports perspective, I think it makes sense. I just saw it pop up. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, um, there you go. We'll see how it goes. It's definitely an interesting thought, and I see the advantages to it. But there's definitely a couple aspects of it that could be a little scary. Whatever helps you get the, through the first round. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I mean that's at the end of the day what matters. So I know last week. Well, of course. Last week we talked about Austin Matthews being the front runner for the heart. I know you didn't really like that, but he's definitely one of them. A guy who's not getting enough credit, maybe especially in Toronto, is Johnny Goudreau. Johnny Hockey. Mm-hmm. This guy has the most even strength points since Yarmir Yager in 95. And he's only three points back of McDavid for the Art Ross. If, the, if this is a guy who passes McDavid, given how many even strength things, what Calgary's doing, arguably the best team in the West. I know Colorado's there, and we'll talk about that, but they're, they're, they should win their division. Is Johnny Goudreau going to be the front runner if he wins the Art Ross? Or is basically just given to him? If he can pass McDavid somehow, should we give Goudreau the heart? Yeah, it's a good point. Especially everything he's doing, even strength, which isn't talked about enough. Like you even see, you see McDavid, Drysidel, even Matthews to an extent. Matthews does do a lot of five-on-five five stuff, but their numbers are hugely inflated because of the power play. I think his problem is he's a left winger. I think I think like as much as like and I mean think I think this also hurts Huberto as well. Um, I think that's the biggest discrepancy. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you're going to argue and say, okay, well, yeah, you just don't have the same defensive responsibilities. So, I, I mean, it's impressive. I actually didn't even know, to be honest, that he was there. I mean, he's been on an impressive run, but I, I'm sure that's why he's not talked about. I mean, this is the same thing where like, if you look and you say, okay, so like Mitch Marner is, has 94 points. Right. And Mitch Marner is what? So, like, same with Matt Kachuk. He's got 98 points. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's just you get down this list and you're like, oh, okay, like, that's fine. We just get a lot of guys getting points. And it's the normal guys, McDavid, Hiberto, Dreisaitl, Matthews, whatever. And then you throw – and I mean, if you look at the top five in points, you got a center in McDavid, you've got a center in Dreisaitl, and you've got a center in Matthews. I mean, Dreisaitl being a center or whatever, but that he is. And then you've got Hiberto and Goudreau wingers. Like, I think that, as I said, I think that's the biggest discrepancy. And should that be held against them? I don't know. Maybe not. But it will, for sure. Yeah, the only argument I have there is hockey's changed so much in probably the last five years more than ever that 
most teams don't play center, left wing, right wing, especially defensively. It's F1, F2, F3. If you're the first forward back in the zone, you're playing more that center role in general. You're F1. Then the next guy's F2, F3. So that's where it's a little more different. But at a certain point, you can't ignore what Calgary is doing. And I think that's the thing that being in Southern Ontario, we don't hear anything about Calgary. We have Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Goudreau, who are both top six in points. Have we heard either of these? I haven't really even heard of either of these guys over Mitch Marner yet, Matthews. And that's, I mean, that's living in Southern Ontario and hearing way more Leafs talk, but Calgary needs to be talked about more and Johnny Goudreau needs to be in this discussion. Like we could legit see it where the three Hart Trophy nominees are from Canadian teams in McDavid, Matthews and Goudreau. This is where I'm saying like back, by the way, like if you go back to um, last or when, when it was the North Division, right? Last year. And people are like, oh, like, no wonder there's so many points scored. It's because X, Y, Z. No. And we talked about this. It's like, well, no, that's not like that that, doesn't really matter. Like, we'll have to see what happens next year when you're playing all the teams. And then we found out what happens when they play all the teams. You have the majority of point scorers are are guys that were in the North Division. Kachuk, Matthews, Marner, Dreisaitl, McDavid, Goudreau. Like there's six of eight right there. So um, this argument of, oh, well, it's just because the goaltending's trash. No, 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 no. We just have good offensive players that play in for Canadian teams. Um, I'm excited to see what Calgary is going to do, honestly. I, um, again, you're right. Like it's not something that we see a lot, you know, being in Southern Ontario, like most of the stuff that we have and both of our favorite teams are, are East Division teams, Eastern Conference teams. Um, I'm a little bit sad that you're not going to see Calgary Edmonton in the first round, though. Because I really would, I mean, I, I it's, it makes sense that you're not going to see it. Because I mean, Calgary's 103 points, Edmonton's 94. Um, would they play in the second round? I'm trying to figure out how that would work. Yeah, I don't remember how it all works now with the new setup. So I think it all the uh, yeah, it's because it's all bracketed now. I think they would. It's well, it depends who's in. For, oh yeah, call so Colorado would play Dallas, and then it would be yeah. So they, yeah, they so would be, play in the second. Be, round. Yeah. Okay, so I'd be down for that. Like, I, I would really like to see a Calgary-Edmonton series. I mean, you, there's the people that argue, okay, well, yeah, we want a Canadian team. To, I don't give a fuck about that. I want to see good good series, just as well as I would love to see Pitt-Washington. Like, that's what I, I want to see that, too. Right? Yeah. And, and how much we all love to see Montreal-Toronto last year. Yeah. Well, it was good. I mean, it was bad, but it was a good series. I mean... I don't want to bring it up anymore. <laughs> I had to. Had, I had like, to speaking of Montreal, see, like, Carey Price is like still sad about that final. Say, I've seen his quotes come out the other day. I was like, woof, guy still is. I mean, to be fair, he's not had the best year. I mean, it's been well. I think it's been personal growth for him, which is which is good to see. You know, from a personal perspective. Um, but when you have those like issues, like those personal issues, especially coming off of that kind of a low, uh, yeah, that can't be very helpful. How do you get over that when you don't play? Yeah, it's, it's got to be tough. Yeah, I mean, I guess we should talk about this. We haven't touched on it. Carey Price finally came back after 280-plus days not playing. It's been a rough year since they lost in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Carey Price went through some issues personally. He was in rehab for drug or alcohol abuse. It doesn't no, – nobody has actually came out and said what. But he also had major knee surgery, which because of going into rehab, he couldn't recover from properly. So he's had about 100 setbacks with that. Uh, finally came back the other day. He looked really good, actually. The team stood up for him huge. 
lost three nothing, but they outshot the team forty four twenty. Sorokin just played. The- they gave up a three on zero, so I don't know. They had 44 shots I mean, and tripled them in scoring chances. Sorokin played out of his mind. But to just see Carey Price back in net is just huge. And I know we got a little joke in the group chat. I'm not super offended by it. But it's just great to see a guy like Carey Price getting back with everything that's gone on in the last year. No matter who you're a fan of. This is just fan of a hockey player who is one of the best goalies we've ever seen in the last 10, 20 years. He's up there for that. It's just great to see him back playing being competitive. You saw the way the Montreal fan base started chanting his name and just seeing everything around that, hearing him talk about it again. It's just great for hockey to see Carey Price back. No matter how you feel about the Habs or everything in general, it's nice to see him back. It's a good story to see him back this season. It was a little worried it was going to push to next year, and I think he's happy to finally get in the game again. And Huge growth for him, and it's just nice to see again. Even in the pregame warm-up when he's seeing his family at at the glass, his wife's in tears. Like These are good things. These are good moments in sports that for a terrible year for Montreal overall, it's nice to see Carey Price getting back to playing. Yep, I, I can't disagree. As I said, really you know, good field, good starter. I mean, I don't think there's anybody really that can say a bad thing about him. So, um, you know, just lots of the stuff that he's done in the community, done with, you know, there's, there's a story from last year or the year before where, you know, kid lost his mom and he was, you know, super kind to to this individual and a you know great great guy great story um you know kind of speaks to the other fact of that you know you never know who's who's going to have struggles so it's it's kind of you know it's good to be kind to everybody Uh, i think that's you know a great kind of lesson to take from that um last thing i'll say about the heart trophy race by the way before we move on to something else or wrap it up um it's we're really fortunate to be in a time where we don't constantly have a runaway winner. I know McDavid the last couple of years, whatever, but we we actually have a Hart Trophy race this year, and I think we're going to have that moving forward. So what a great, great time to be a hockey fan. It, it like, And maybe not for some people. If you're an Arizona fan, it's a miserable time to be a hockey player. Um, Chris Pronger actually sent out a tweet the other day, by the way, that was like, you know, hey, what, if, if you were on Arizona and you were told that you're going to, you know, you're playing in this small, you know, 5,000 capacity place. Like, what would you say? He'd be like, I pick up the phone, call my agent and say, trade me immediately. Hang up the phone, which I thought was hilarious. Um, what a great time to be a hockey fan though. That's all I get to say. Yeah, it's just, you got to acknowledge that. This actually brings up a great transition. Uh, Brad listener, occasional, not very occasional listener. He pulled up a question to me. I don't know if it's the same question he sent you, but if you sign an NHL contract today and you were told there's three teams that you can't sign with or can't be traded to, who would those three teams be for you? So I can't play for them? Yeah. Three teams that you won't, like, you can't get traded there. You won't play for them. You're signing your contract tomorrow. Who are the three teams that you would choose not to play for? I would not play for Arizona, number one. Um, That's a good question. I probably wouldn't play for Ottawa. Um, And, and I mean, maybe that'll change, you know, RIP Eugene Melnick, but maybe that'll change. Uh, with with kind of that ownership change, uh, and then the third's got to be Buffalo. I don't know how it can't be. Wow, you're right. You're, I think those are the. You're way more realistic. For me, I'm just all heart here. It's I will never play for the Leafs. I will never play for the oh, Bruins. Dude, never play on. for the Bruins, and then Arizona. No, yeah, Leafs, Bruins, Arizona, never. Nope, no, couldn't do it. C- come on. No, I, I mean, I, I'm just looking at this from a perspective of like, okay, you think, okay, think about no, this logically. This is, this really? From You're not going to play? No, get out of here. You're not going to play in the mecca of, of the hockey world it's, in Toronto? Zach, do you know who my second favorite team is in the NHL? Uh, Colorado. 
whoever's playing the Leafs. Oof, that is that is tough to hear. That's just such a homer homer attitude. There's zero I, no, see, there's zero way I could ever put on a Leafs jersey. Okay, I, I no, just couldn't I, do it. I even said that I like by not mentioning Montreal, I said I pay play for Montreal. Why would I? Because they have a really passionate fan base. Like you have to look at this realistically no, here, my, dude. My heart like you're not gonna play no, my heart wouldn't let me. That's fucking bullshit. I hate that so much. Like I even like I even said I play for fucking New Jersey. I'm just looking at this like Buffalo, That's absolutely what the not. by shot at New Jersey. What's wrong with Jersey? Dude, it's New Jersey. You don't have to live there. Like Yeah. Well, I'm not living in fucking Manhattan. Just and driving to New Jersey. We probably just lost the one random Devils fan. Sorry, New Jersey people. Nobody's listening to us from New Jersey anyway. Everybody who, all of our state's listeners know that New Jersey sucks. Every single one of them knows. And yeah, apologies for the Buffalo drive-by. I mean, but come on. Like, your ownership is like, again, this is not like, I'm not saying this from like a place of hate. This is just me saying your ownership sucks. Why would I want to go to a place with bad ownership? That's bottom line. I don't care. I just love how you thought way more logically about this and mine's all heart. You know, you're just fucking stupid. You're like, I'm not going to go play for a team that's going to pay me like way more than anybody else and have the Couldn't best facilities. Couldn't do it. Could, ne- you're crazy. could never put a Leafs jersey on. Never going to do it. The only reason I wouldn't want to play with for Boston is that I have to talk to Jack Edwards. That's it. Yeah. That's the only reason. You're gonna, you're, I know what you're going to say is, oh, I don't want to play for a trial because yeah. I have to talk to Joe fucking Bowen Joe Bowen. And Jack Edwards are the two worst. The one thing I can't believe, I cannot believe that you don't think that Buck Martinez and Joe Bowen are similar at all. That blows my mind buck martinez is way more realistic no n- dude they are the same they are legit this like they are okay first of all the only reason that buck martinez seems like he's not as much of a homer is is because baseball is so much slower no he's if just baseball way, was fa- he's an ex-player he's way more realistic than whatever joe bowen is i don't know dude there's players around the MLB who do not like when Buck Martinez calls games because they're like, get up, get out of here, and gone. They hate that. I love Buck Martinez, but I'm a Jays fan. So, like, I should like Buck Martinez. It's like Boston fans. Boston fans love Jack Edwards. Everybody else in the league fucking hates Jack Edwards. Bowen, all the Leafs fans like Joe Bowen. Everybody else hates him. No, but I even know, like, Leafs media and Boston media who both know that they're two of the biggest homers in all professional sports. The only thing that I would argue is, is like, if you're listening to a Jays broadcast or watching a Jays broadcast on Sportsnet, you're not watching it for the Oakland Athletics. Like, you're, it's just, you're not. So, like, I'm okay with having Homer, I'm okay with having Homer, like, play-by-play. I'm good with that. But, like, you got to acknowledge that they're Homer stuff. You don't hear Buck Martinez saying, get up, get out of here, and gone, when... The yeah. Athletics hit a home run, or but the Yankees yeah, hit a home run. No, that's not Homer. That's just announcing for the home team. When Joe Bowen talks about Austin Matthews being the greatest goal scorer of all time and the best player he's ever seen in his life, he could be wrong. talking about the Leafs. You don't know. You're assuming that he's talking about ever of all time in the league. He could just be. T- this is the whole Gareth Wheeler argument all no, over it's again. Not. It's very in the very moment. He's t- no, but he's it's not even about- in the moment. It's not even in the moment when he scores like three goals or something. It's just all the time. I don't know. I got. Well, I love Buck Bart. I gotta clarify, by the way. I just want to say, like Buck Martinez, we hope you get better. Got cancer. T- stepping away from the booth. Uh, no Buck hate on this show. We love Buck Martinez here. No, we will. I still we think will, he's mi- homer, we but... will miss watching the games without Buck. Yes, but did you see the the flashbacks of him? By the way, like when he had that mustache, like 
that's a good looking dude back. Well, I mean, whatever. He's Buck, older now, but Buck's, like, but he's, Buck he still has some of the greatest hair. He does. I mean, it's great. It's he looks old, but that mustache back in the day, whoo, little Tom Selleck look going on. Anyway. So I got one more rapid fire question for you. All right. Little, may, Better may, not be as controversial. No, this one shouldn't. Well, you never know. If you, to, tomorrow you were going to win one championship, one anything in any professional sport, what event would you take? Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, the expected answer here would definitely be a Stanley Cup. And I think anybody from Southern Ontario who plays hockey would answer the same. But the real answer and the true answer is the World Cup. Got to be. It ha- like It has to be the World Cup. Why? Because soccer or football or whatever you want to say is the biggest sport in the entire world. And that's a fact, right? Globally, that is the biggest sport. So you're telling me that I can win a championship with the Leafs, which would be legendary. Now, we have to make sure these are on the same base, though. Like, I just want to preface this, right? So the Leafs win the cup for the first time since 67 and you're on that team. You're a legend forever, right? But let's just assume that it's your let's just assume that it's your second title across the board. Keep it, keep it fair for everybody. It's still the world cup. If the, if the Canadian team made the world cup, not only would you have 32 million people cheering for you, you probably would have millions more because they have. So in Italy, Portugal, anywhere in Europe, all of them have family over in Canada. And if their teams weren't in it, they'd be cheering for you. You'd be an absolute legend. And it's just way bigger scope. World Cup, it would be unbelievable. You'd be playing in a stadium of like 100,000 people, 100,000 plus. It'd be unbelievable. I think that's the only answer, I, I personally. For me, it's different. I mean, I assume there's going to be kids now, especially with Canada being at the World Cup and hopefully being competitive this year, who will be in their backyards playing soccer and thinking about scoring a World Cup winning goal. But for me personally, when I look at it, there's only two sports where I've ever thought about winning it in the road, the street, the backyard, the golf course. And that's one, the Stanley cup, which Southern Ontario kid hasn't played road hockey and thought they were game seven scoring the Stanley cup winning goal and pretended. Yep. So to me, the Stanley cup's probably number one. The only other thing we all know what number two is it's the masters. Yeah. It has to be. I've thought about when I used to practice as a kid, making a putt on 18 at my own local course about putting on a green jacket. So those are the two for me personally, where it's just way above. I get what you mean with the world cup. And I bet you now, especially with how good Canada is, there's going to be Canadian kids who are dreaming of that. But for me, those are the two that are just so personally different. And again, I'm answering this question probably really different than you because both questions I've answered are way more personal. But for me, it's, it's the Stanley cup or the masters. Those are the two that growing up as a kid who loves sports. Those are the two that I've dreamed about winning though neither of them will ever happen. But those are the two that in my heart, I'm like, those are the two I always wish I could have won. Dreamed about in the backyard, dreamed about on the streets. So those are the two for me. I, and I think, yeah, I mean, my, I say my first reaction was Stanley Cup because like, as you said, every single Canadian hockey player has dreamed of that for sure. Like there's no if ands, or buts. I would be happy to lift the Stanley Cup for the Habs if I had to, if I was playing. I don't really care. But I want a Stanley Cup to be mint. But as I said, right, like I, I mean, come on. I mean, the, the best answer here is, I mean, every, doesn't matter what you played. Doesn't matter what, like what level, doesn't matter what, anytime you win, it it doesn't matter. If you win your local uh, charity tournament, if you win your ball league, if you win your beard league, doesn't matter. You win and it just comes to that feeling, right? So 
Like, I mean, that's, that's in general, the beautiful thing about being competitive or being sports, right? I mean, come on. We've all had like one of those beer pong matches that you're hyped to win when you've had like eight, nine beers deep. That's just about as good. Getting two birdies on, on 18 holes. That's just about as good for me. That's as close as I'm ever going to get to a Masters. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's good answers. I like that. I mean, I'm not actually thinking that Canada's going to win a World Cup, by the way. I just think, I don't know, biggest sport in the entire world. You win that thing. You're on top of the that you got to be top of the sports universe. Super Bowl would be cool. None of them would be not cool. They'd all be sick. Well, they'd all be awesome. Like winning a championship at anything is always unbelievable. But there's just there's just two as a kid growing up loving sports that stand out way more, and that's just a personal opinion. The only other one that I actually did as a kid would have been the uh, NBA title. To be honest with you. Like playing, they just play basketball in the driveway and you're fading away to win. I mean, the names I was saying as a kid was a lot different and changed as I grew up. Then I stopped doing that because I just, you know, I, I, I knew that as a six foot two white, white kid from Southern Ontario, it would never happen for me. Yeah, I never had that dream being five foot eight and white, so <laughs> not even I mean, realistic. I mean, I mean, we don't even have to put race into this. You're just five foot eight. I mean, you're no Muggsy Bogue, so. Anyway, that's good questions, dude. That's good. It's a good banter today. That's good stuff. Yeah, I got to think about things that bring us back to our roots, Burke. So these rapid fire questions are one way of just this is what how it started. This is why we want to do this. That's a, that's yeah. That's I'll I'll just think up I'll I'll think some up for next week. Then we can I can I can hit you with some some hypotheticals. Let's do it. By the way, the Tua hate is continuing. Before we sign off, Tua hates continuing weekly update. Uh, Tua is still hated. I think I'm just going to add this into every single podcast until Tua is not hated anymore. Tua, Tua is hated so much that the name of our group chat has changed. Yes. I had to change it because if I didn't change it, then like when the group chat name is being used against us in this conversation, it has to change. Yeah. I don't have anything further to say. My IP was just, she just shut the fuck up. I, I say this, I, that's what I say. I say this photo uh, on this like Tua thread is just incoming Tua hate for no reason. I'm just going to post that anytime I see anything about Tua because, I mean, legit, that's exactly what it is. So anyway, uh, all right, buddy. Got anything else for me? No, that's all. Beauty. Love it. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at over six sports, which I have been more active on this week. I've been throwing out some, uh, we've been throwing out some, some baseball stuff, some, some retweets of other stuff. I had a Father Pat tweet on my own personal Twitter account, which is at over 6 from SemiPro. I thought that was pretty good last night. Corn dogs, Jackie. Corn dogs. And you can follow uh, Cam uh, at C-Charles and Turf. Um, yeah. So if there's, uh, if there's nothing else, then we're good to go. As always, I'm Zach Vandenberg. And my co-host, the man you know and love, it's the Turf King, Cameron Clark. Thanks for listening to our six sports. We will chat with you next week.